On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll recap a big night for double-digit strikeouts. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three cold brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Wednesday, May 12th. I'm Al Melchior. I'm here with Derek Van Riper, DVR. Not a lot of offense. Not really. Uh, that's not really a news story at this point. Uh, but uh, on Tuesday's games, uh, a lot of good pitching, a lot of strikeouts. We'll get to the particulars on that. Um, the big news, of course, is Fernando Tatis Jr. going on the injured list due to a positive test for COVID-19. Uh, also another... IL move, Carlos Martinez going on the injured list with a right ankle injury uh, that he sustained while celebrating Jack Flaherty's home run against the Rockies back on Friday. So add that one to the list of kind of bizarre injuries. But, um, you know, sort of like we were discussing with Jacob deGrom, like, you know, with with Tatis going on the IL, you, you make whatever adjustments that you're able to do, but it's just a waiting game at this point. Yeah, maybe it's sort of like the Corbin Burns situation where it's going to be a week or so before he's actually back. But I think if you had the chance to swap him out for this lineup period, that probably made sense based on the information we had late Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, and speaking of Corbin Burns, uh, he is set to return on Thursday, just as uh, you had indicated DVR on a recent show. So uh, me being uh, sort of a dunce, I uh, I benched him this week, so I will miss that start against the Cardinals. Uh, so if you have a chance to get Burns into your rotation still, you absolutely need to do that. Uh, some good news here for the Marlins. Jazz Chisholm and Jorge Alfaro started rehab assignments with AAA Jacksonville on Tuesday. Both have been dealing with hamstring injuries. And uh, Kim Ang said that both players could return to the Marlins by this weekend. So very, very good news there. And in another Marlins development, Eliezer Hernandez threw a bullpen session on Tuesday, and he is set to uh, toss some live batting practice on Thursday. So we'll see what his uh, status is after that later this week. We have not exactly a prospect debut, but a prospect making his first MLB start. This was also something, DVR, you and I alluded to in a recent show, that uh, James Caprillion is going to make that start for uh, Oakland on Wednesday at Boston. What's your level of interest for this start and longer term? I'm not messing with the Red Sox with an unproven starter right now. So I think it's more of a wait and see if he pitches well enough to get another turn. We'd have a chance over the weekend in weekly leagues to possibly pick him up based on how those matchups fare for him next week. So I'm interested in the player, but I'm not interested in hustling to get him into my lineup against Boston. Seems fair, probably fair for just about any uh, rookie pitcher that would be called up. And just a Mets update here, Brandon Nimmo, who has a bone bruise in his hand, he may be back as soon as this Friday. So particularly if you've got him in daily leagues, uh, definitely keep tabs on that one. You may be able to get Nimmo back in your lineup. So as I said at the outset of the show, a lot of good pitching. Uh, On the Tuesday slate, and I think primary among those performances is Shohei Otani. Uh, uh, He's uh, one of several 
starters that got 10 strikeouts. I don't see any need to really talk about him because uh, he's just a must-start option. But I think Chris Bassett is an interesting pitcher to talk about. He's been getting a lot of strikeouts lately, so 10 was his lucky number uh, on Tuesday at Boston. Uh, went seven innings deep. He's been going deep into games pretty regularly. Just two runs on three hits, no walks with those 10 strikeouts. So DVR coming into this game, Bassett had thrown 25 innings over his previous four starts. So that alone, I think, is a really encouraging statistic just because how often do you see pitchers so far this season going six, seven innings regularly? We're not seeing that very often. But over those 25 innings uh, for Bassett, 32 strikeouts and just four walks and only one home run allowed, a 15.0% swinging strike rate. But the opponents, uh, the Tigers, the Orioles, the Rays, and the Blue Jays, with the exception of the Blue Jays, all teams that do swing and miss a lot. But the Blue Jays don't really, and the Red Sox don't really. So it's start, you know, this is, uh, I think, some data we could take to say, okay, it's not just the matchups for Chris Bassett. There really is improvement here. Yeah, I think so. I think coming into the season, I wondered aloud if maybe Chris Bassett would be kind of like the good version of Ross Stripling, Dodger Ross Stripling for several years where you know the ratios were better than average ratios, the strikeout rate was close to a strikeout per inning, and I think the key difference here is that workload that you mentioned. With Stripling, he was always kind of stuck as the sixth starter, so he'd have temporary runs where he'd be in the rotation and then he get bumped back into long relief with Bassett. We're not worried about that at all. I think he's going to be you know, among the league leaders in innings pitched when we wake up on Wednesday and look at that leaderboard. So I see a guy that's probably a top 40 starter the rest of the way who wasn't really treated as such back during draft season. It's really quite the dramatic improvement, and it's hard to kind of track where, where it comes from because I'm not seeing it in the velocity or the pitch mix. Maybe it's just better command for Bassett, but whatever it is, uh, certainly looking better as a uh, an option to start in, in most situations. Um, now across the bay, we've got Logan Webb, who's been in and out of the Giants rotation, uh, but uh, made a case to stay in with this uh, start against the Rangers. 10 strikeouts over six innings, two runs, only one earned on three hits and two walks. So really a dominant performance for Logan Webb. Uh, are you trusting him against maybe better competition going forward? Uh, we're still talking about a guy that, for his career, has an ERA north of 5 and a whip north of 1.5. So we're going to want to be careful about the types of matchups in which we're actually going to activate him and the types of leagues in which we're going to roster him. All right, we've got one more 10-strikeout pitcher from Tuesday night. That's Robbie Ray. Uh, six innings for him, three runs on five hits, and one walk. And I'm going to emphasize that one walk because I'd be tempted to say maybe Robbie Ray is back, but maybe this is a new a new and improved version of Robbie Ray. He's throwing the the, the ball in the zone a lot. Um, we're not seeing the control problems so far this year that we've seen throughout much of Ray's career. So a bit of a home run issue maybe for him. Uh, also throwing harder than he's ever thrown. So are you all in on Robbie Ray or do you need to see more of this version? Yeah, 90s movie spoiler alert, but this is a bit like when Happy Gilmore learns how to putt. And when you give a guy like Robbie Ray control, he becomes really good really fast because he's always missed plenty of bats. And even if the K rate's going to be a tick down from where it usually is, 11, 12 Ks per nine is sort of what we're used to from him looking back over the last five years. He's at 10 Ks per nine after that great start on Tuesday night. 
I can live with that. If the trade-off is a walk rate that's actually better than a league average walk rate, it's less than half of the walk rate that we saw from him in the shortened season. We're talking about a guy that had a double-digit walk rate four years running entering 2021. So this version of Robbie Ray is probably the best and most sustainable version of Ray that we've ever seen. Yeah, not something I would have guessed a month ago. So uh, really nice development for him. And I'm just going to sneak one hitter in this discussion here, Brian Reynolds, because I just think that he is always overlooked and uh, sort of uh, underestimated. He hit his 13th double of the season already. When I saw that in the box score, <laughs> I, I kind of had to double check it. Uh, so against the Reds, reached three times uh, in that game on Tuesday night. Uh, so Reynolds, you know, hitting for average, hitting for doubles, walking more than he has in the past, and still pretty available in a lot of leagues. I mean, not uh, necessarily deeper ones, but I think you could really make a case for Reynolds being pretty close to universally owned in, in points leagues, given his profile and CBS, which, you know, they, they've got quite a few points leagues. Uh, he, he can be had uh, on that, uh, on that site. So um, I don't know. Do you think Reynolds has broader appeal than just, just points leagues? Yeah, I think in 15 team rotos, especially he's been fine. I think maybe even in 12s, he's doing enough right now to justify being consistently treated like a top 60 outfielder there's no playing time concern the batting average floor appears to be very high and everything we're seeing from him early in 2021 looks like he's really bouncing back to what we saw when he debuted back in 2019 so I'm getting more and more comfortable with the idea of just throwing out his shortened season because these are the skills that he showed us two years ago yeah yeah I mean 2020 is starting to look like an aberration which is something I'm thinking when I look at a lot of players at this point. It's just, you know, an odd season that produced odd results for for a lot of players. So let's look ahead to the Wednesday slate, some streamers, some very interesting streamers, and let's go back to James Caprillion. Uh, well, actually, I, I guess we don't really need to because you gave your answer, and I'll just co-sign on that, that uh, I'm very interested in him longer term, but not interested him in him uh, at Boston with Eduardo Rodriguez taking the mound for them. So let's look at three other options here. Jay Happ at the White Sox, who are going to be putting Dallas Keuchel out to uh, toe the slab. Matt Harvey, who we talked about um, uh, just a few episodes back, looking ahead at this start at the Mets. I like this as a streaming option then. Mets are going to go with Tywin Walker. And then Casey Mize, Casey versus Casey, uh, Casey Royals. It's going to be uh, Danny Duffy, uh, Cy Young candidate Danny Duffy pitching for the Royals. Uh, but while Mize's overall line doesn't look really great, it's really weighed down by two starts out of six for him. The other four, he's got a game score of at least 50, which is, you know, 50's decent, and a couple of starts that were well better than that. So uh, I think Mize, particularly with this matchup, I think he's he's in the discussion. So Hap, Harvey, Mize, you feel comfortable with any of these three? Uh, I think I'm somewhat comfortable with Mize, and while I'd like j-hap's skills more i don't like lefties against the white Sox overall but i think you have to consider this is not the white Sox lineup we expected coming into the season so it's a little bit of a toss-up for me because i think mize might have more long-term appeal but if i had to pick one it's hap over mize for wednesday for me i think there's a pretty big drop from mize down to harvey and caprillion all right. Well, I'm going to be on Matt Harvey Island here because I actually like him the best out of these three and probably half the least. If you, you really drill down, you go to his Fangraphs page, the peripherals are 
are not good. It is not a pretty picture for Jay Happ. So um, with that matchup, as you know, to DVR, that's enough for me to, uh, to stay away. So let's wind up here with our weekly prospect spotlight. We finally have some uh, minor league numbers to look at and a, a few prospects who are arguably very close to the majors are off to great starts. Vidal Brujan, 10 for 22 to start the year with AAA Durham, already four home runs. Uh, he's, he's making, you know, making the case to get called up sooner than later. And yet you figure Wander Franco is going to be there too. Is there room for both of them? Yeah, I think there is because the Rays mix and match a lot, and they've played Bruhan a little bit in the outfield already this season, so I think that's one other way to make the pieces fit. Willie Adames is not playing well. I think you can justify just playing Wander at short every day, making Willie Adames the utility infielder, and then saying that Bruhan can platoon in the outfield with Margot, or you could move Margot into center a little bit more often and you know make the pieces fit that way. I think with Kevin Kiermeyer hurt especially, there's more of a window for playing time in the outfield, and that opens things up for Brujan with all the adjustments. All right. And I don't really see a problem with Jesus Sanchez getting playing time when he gets called up. Uh, I think it you know, may be time to end the Lewis Brinson exper- uh, experiment. I almost said experience because you could go either way with that one. But Sanchez is 15 for 27 with three home runs and six extra base hits total so far to start the years. And this is the stat that's really cool for Sanchez. Just three strikeouts in those 27 at-bats. Uh, at AAA Jacksonville. So that's always been the, the concern with Sanchez is striking out. It's a small sample, but it's a really encouraging start. Yeah, the key for me with the Marlins, they got to start trading some outfielders. With Starling Marte hurt, they've got a spot open right now. And you know, Sanchez is a corner guy, so they'd have to put Duvall in center even more than they have already, which they probably don't want to do to make the pieces fit right now. But Corey Dickerson should get traded to a contender like immediately just because that frees up time for a guy like Sanchez, you want to see how good Sanchez is going to be against big league pitching. You know Why wait? I think they should also find room for Monty Harrison, too. So might as well trade Adam Duvall while you're at it. Well, uh, a couple of pitchers uh, here. Uh, Alec Manoa, you brought him up on a recent episode, off to a fantastic start uh, with 12, 12 strikeouts and no walks in his first start of uh, six innings against uh, AAA Worcester. And Jackson uh, Cower. 10 and a third innings over two starts with 14 strikeouts and four walks, just one run allowed for AAA Omaha. Would certainly seem like the Royals could swap him in, maybe for Brad Keller or if Daniel Lynch doesn't uh, improve in future starts. Manoa, there's room for him. You've, you've already made that case. So uh, stash both or either at this point? If I was only going to stash one, I think it would be Manoa because I think there's a slightly higher ceiling there. But yeah, Coar over Keller, I would say that could happen anytime. So I think you could justify stashing one guy like this. It's hard to hold a lot of prospects in redraft leagues, uh, but I think both could be good enough right away to actually make an impact in most mixed leagues. All right. All right. So yeah, some exciting starts by some exciting prospects. So that's a good way to wind up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you do have an opportunity to rate and review this podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. And we thank you for doing that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we will return here on Thursday. <laughs>